politics in Canada, many will argue, is boring. 2018 may have changed all that. One needs to look no further than this past year's Ontario election. According to most observers, Kathleen Wynne's Liberals had run out of time. Patrick Brown's Progressive Conservatives were poised to take power. Then everything changed. Brown resigned after allegations of sexual misconduct. He came back, though, to run, only to drop out again and throw his hat into the ring for chair of the region of Peel. But then Doug Ford won the Progressive Conservative leadership and eventually became Premier of Canada's most populous province, Ontario. Ford cut the size of Toronto's government and scrapped the region of Peel chair. Patrick Brown then ran against an incumbent in Brampton and won. To help us understand all of this and more in studio today, we have one of Toronto's most sought-after political commentators, Aleem Kanji. Welcome, Aleem. Great to be with you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, so for those of you, for, for those who don't know, and, and many people will probably know if they're following politics, especially in Toronto, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah, and uh, full disclosure, I guess, before we start, uh, yeah. Kareem and I are, are cousins, and uh, I'll share a quick Nepotism. story. <laughs> a little bit of that. <laughs> um, beyond who I am and what I do, I think what, what uh, Kareem's listeners and, and, and those that tune in the show should know is that... Uh, uh, this guy actually saved my life, mm. and it's a true story. Uh, and we'll get into the politics, but you know, really quick story. Uh, I was born with and still have a um, peanut allergy, and uh, I think this was back in high school. But uh, Kareem uh, was brave enough to pull out an EpiPen and jab me. Uh, I stabbed him. He stabbed me. Yeah. Did you have the EpiPen, or you had the EpiPen, or there was just an EpiPen around? We drove around? from Pickering, maybe, from Pickering. Yeah out to Thornhill. That's right. And he gave the EpiPen to me and said, okay, stab me in the leg. And he did. Yeah. Wow. And he kept me going. Without so. without hesitation. I said, oh. You know, because guys from Scarborough like to stab. <laughs> guys in Thornhill. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hmm. All right. So, so just, uh, there is, there's obviously, uh, you know, uh, history and relationship. And we've grown up together. Uh, yeah. Growing up in Scarborough and, and, uh, and still, uh, and still, uh, obviously, uh, are, are very close to this day. So, um, to uh, Kareem's question, um, I, I work uh, uh, as a uh, lobbyist, uh, government relations professional is, is the more polite term, I guess, um, for a Toronto-based lobbying company called Sutherland Corporation. Um, and um, basically, what do I do? What's my job? I always say to people when they ask me, is basically to align client interest with public policy parameters around government. Government oftentimes wants to do things that are quite different from what others want, and I help the others. And the others include um, cannabis company, uh, an app company, um, the largest public sector union in the city of Toronto, um, and then some of the traditional lobbying stuff with developers and uh, uh, infrastructure companies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and, and I also do uh, political punditry and commentary. Um, so uh, we can talk a little bit about that as well. Okay, um, you just—I ha have to ask you this because because you, you just you mentioned it and it came came into my mind. So there's this um, third party advertiser, third party um, Ontario Proud. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on them? And the reason I bring that up is because it was found out that um, they claim to have been a grassroots organization 
um, right-wing grassroots organization. I, I don't think that they would dispute that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of their money, uh, more than 80% of their money came from developers. Yeah. Corporations and developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your, your thoughts on Ontario Proud? So basically the way it works, um, um, generally speaking, uh, is that uh, developers... Uh, and companies, any any registered company, they can't give uh, politically. So oftentimes, um, they if they want to participate in the political process and, and donate in order to influence, um, they either do so personally, uh, or they will use uh, third party advertising. And um, and that's relatively new, right? Not really. I mean, it's been it's been around in for Canada? some. It's been around uh, for some time. The 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 organization that supported. Um, the former Liberal government in Ontario was called the Working Families Coalition. Mm -hmm. And that, if people remember, there were you know a bunch of ads. Um, this kind of predates social media a little bit, but mm -hmm. a lot of TV ads, a lot of radio spots uh, around what the, the Liberal government at the time wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Ontario Proud is, is sort of, um, um, you know, uh, to your point, it is sort of the conservative movement around um, uh, pushing that agenda forward. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, uh, you know, they've been around. It, it, there was a there was one developer uh, that I believe was Madame Holmes. Um, mm, that's that, what I uh, yeah, that was, uh, was sort of the overwhelming contributor uh, to uh, uh, to that movement uh, mm -hmm. over this the course of this election. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I think they had a surplus, so they didn't have enough money to spend on advertising uh, ah. in in terms of what they did. Interesting. Um, and you're right. I mean, it, I was going to say too. It's 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 not new. I mean, we've seen it with Telco. We've seen it. At you know, a yeah, lot, yeah. Of, a lot of unions, unions, yeah. um, the oil sands. I mean, you've sure. got, you've I mean, got special a lot of competitors industries. coming together. What to is cooperate. new about it, though? It seems like there are. Is it? Is it? There's now rules in place. Is it more formalized? Is yeah, there are there are some rules in place in terms of how you can contribute. I mean, the the previous Liberal government basically took away mm -hmm. the fact that corporations could donate. So they used to, uh, and now they can't. So you're seeing these offshoot sort of groups form. Um, and I think there will be more. There will be yeah. probably one for um, for the Liberals and the NDP as we hit an election uh, three and a half years from now. But they exist. Is it that there. long away? Yeah, three and a oh. half years. <laughs> so uh, provincially <laughs> in Ontario. That long? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so a little bit of time, but but we'll see. Uh, we'll see others, uh, you know, come up, and it's a way to kind of skirt around the rules of, of putting your your uh, your interests first. Yeah. Um, I want to get into talking about what's what's happened in Toronto, Ontario, um, and, and up, upcoming Canada. But a lot of things have happened, but I, I'm I'm very curious how you know because you're looking after the interests of your clients. Um, how do you? And then you're also asked to um, sort of give your opinions on TV about what's going on and your thoughts and stuff. How do you keep your personal politics out of? your commentary so and this is a great question um because i think when you generally look at political punditry um on tv uh on, on radio social media um you know generally speaking i think through the mainstream media mm -hmm. um you you sort of know who's going to be saying what folks often raise a flag and you know what team that yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. play for yeah um and and that's great um because they're pushing their own agenda forward uh, but you kind of know where they're going to go based on having worked for a conservative, a liberal, or an NDP. Mm -hmm. um, I don't hold political affiliation. Yeah. Um, I've worked on p 
political campaigns for all three parties, the three major parties in the past. And I believe in ideas. Yeah. I don't believe in, in, in necessarily the flags of, of the party and the colors and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And I think most people are like that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you see that because, you know, whether it's Ontario or British Columbia, um, we, you know, or elsewhere in the country, we often switch. Like you'll see a conservative government in Ottawa and a liberal government in Ontario. Mm -hmm. You'll see, as we have it now, an Ontario government that's conservative provincially mm -hmm. and, of course, uh, a federal government that's liberal. And we have this system of checks and balances. We, as Canadians, don't hold political affiliation. So the majority of people are kind of like me. Mm -hmm. they, they follow this stuff, mm -hmm. but they'll ebb and flow. They'll, they'll, they may vote liberal, they may vote conservative. And I think what most people want when they're watching, uh, tuning in or listening uh, to political punditry is they want insight. Yeah. But I don't think they necessarily want the U.S. style of, mm -hmm. of raising the flag and of, of you know and sticking and sticking by that flag yeah and, you know she's a conservative you know that guy's a liberal I, I don't think Canadians want that I yeah. think most people are are just interested in what's going on and uh, and you know looking for f to inform their opinions we don't have a huge majority of our population that holds political uh, card membership mm -hmm. it's a lot higher in the United States I would argue it's a lot more visceral in the United States as well. It's a lot yeah, divided, and it's and it's a t almost a, not almost it's a two party, where you know here we have three parties or more. Right? Yeah. Like, like you're on one side or the other in the states. Where here, you're right. We we move around. We sort mm -hmm. of ebb and flow between. We move around. You know, you see in U.S. elections, you know, the sort of brain trust, some would say, of America, in the East Coast and West Coast, you know, uh, s stretching uh, from from you know. Uh, New York into into um, Massachusetts and south of there, that East Coast and the West Coast yeah. along Washington and, and, and into California mm -hmm. is controlled by the Democrats historically. Mm -hmm. And the middle of America is is controlled by uh, the Republicans. Mm -hmm. and, and that and that continues. But like I said, in, in this country, I think we we evolve and I think that speaks to Canadians and, and I think it's what most people want. We can change our thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we certainly saw that in the Ontario election, which I thought was a change mandate um, with the new, new government coming in after 15 years of the old government. Mm -hmm. And the pendulum swings a lot more, which I think is healthy. I think it speaks to Canadians in general and their appetite for, um, for change. They're a lot more open to that than other parts of the world, uh, including our friends to the south. Yeah. I, w I wonder if that's also... Like, I don't mind pendulum swings. I'm wondering whether that is good for long-term development. I'm wondering if, you know, you, you've got one party that comes in and dismantles a bunch of stuff. The other party comes in and they, you know, dismantle what the other party did. And it's more tearing things down rather than, you know, moving things forward. Building it, upon. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering whether that is a good thing or not. You know, some would say that that's that's the process and that's the nature of a democracy, right? Yeah. So that those that that govern um, and that are chosen to govern can implement their policies and ideas and and play into what they've been elected to do. Mm -hmm. And there are others that say, well, you know, do we really need to revisit? I give you an example of something locally here, like transit. Like, why do we have more politicians that what I call transit porn? Mm -hmm. They they love to draw lines on a map, mm -hmm. but it's not the real thing because 
it's 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 you're 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 almost teasing people without showing them what the real plans are and you know on issues mm. like that does it make sense to depoliticize it yeah. and to put it in the hands of people that know what they're doing like sure. engineers and transit planners and people that do this for a living instead of building the fill in the blank line yeah, you know, yeah when yeah. we saw this years ago in in north york um you know the shepherd stub was often people said that was a, a gift from uh, then mayor mel lastman yeah. to the people of north york before he left office yeah um and full disclosure uh, my uh, my boss so paul sutherland the, the founder and, and, and uh, president of our company um, was a city councillor and he was the deputy mayor to mel lastman and a councillor in north york mm-hmm. um so, but you know, it, it it raises the question: Do we need to pull things out, like, uh, you know, things hmm. on 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 crime, transit, affordable housing, or do we, or is it a mix? I don't think it's one or the other. I think, I think politicians would argue, if they've earned the mandate, they have the ability to to, to paint, uh, uh, you know, and illustrate their drawing the way that that they want. Um, but there are others that would say. We're just talking about this stuff. We're actually not doing anything. Yeah, uh, and it's a challenge. It's an opportunity. It's a challenge, and I think it it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, I've always told Greg, democracy sucks. We need a dictatorship. That's how we move <laughs> things forward. All right, let's. T- <laughs> and, and as Kareem says that he's he's moving the agenda. There forward. you go. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Toronto first. Uh, in in no particular order. Um, there's been tons of change. We we saw tons of changes. Um, or tons of news happened. Lots of things happened in 2018 um, that boasts for a very interesting uh, 2019. Um, you know, we could start anywhere. Let's start off with uh, the King Streetcar uh, project. As, as we look out the as window we, yeah. at the 504. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the permanency of that. Is, now, is it now? Is it now permanent, or the study's been? It was extended. It is extended. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm and you and you for... talked about transit, right? So yeah. you know, I, I guess King the King Streetcar project is part of this bigger um, issue that Toronto uh, politicians that the, the city of Toronto has been struggling with, juggling for I, I don't know how long, um, but for many years. So whether it is uh, a downtown relief line, um, whether that is uh, continuing to extend further north. Uh, the Young Line, whether that's continuing the the Eglinton Crosstown, is that what they're calling mm-hmm. it? Um, further east and, and, and maybe west. Um, what, you, what what are your thoughts on the transit portfolio locally? So I think we've had, um, if you want to talk about Toronto, I mean, we've had certainly an interest um, from, from this mayor, uh, from John Tory, in terms of trying to implement and get on with making sure transit's built. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had interest from the provincial government. You know, recently uh, we've had a new transportation minister uh, in the province of Ontario, Jeff Urich, talking about extending the subways out into uh, Peel region, um, York region, and Durham region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how that's going to get, get done um, and the actual plans and the environmental assessments, that's all TBD. But... He's talked about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think we've got, we're at a tipping point in, in Toronto. Like, we're starting to see, I think, the, the, the biggest issue affecting people, I think if you were to ask 10 people on the street or in a bar, mm-hmm. um, I think 8 out of 10 would say Toronto's a great place to live, but 
we're being, you know, hamstrung a bit in terms of how we can move. Um, and and as we continue to grow and, and densify, and I'm an urban planner by background, so I look at this stuff and say, if we're going to continue to build up, mm-hmm. and, you know, we got 80-story, three 80-story buildings on this street, mm-hmm. um, just west of here on King, uh, coming up uh, uh, not far from King and John, um, how do we provide for that? How do we make sure that people are able to get to where they want to go um, without ensuring that, that, that you know, the traditional form of how we moved, which is the car, mm-hmm. isn't compromised? Because I think it's a balance. You know, we had the mayor in the last term of council, John Tory, stand up, get full support from his council, which was pretty impressive on road tolls only to be told by the premier Mm -hmm. uh, that that can't happen Um, because you know politically she didn't want to move forward with that yeah and uh, uh, and uh, you know he he was you know viscerally upset about this because that was a plan to pay for transit that was a plan to address congestion and uh, and you know municipalities have uh, basically the property tax base in which to rely on they don't have any other funding tools Toronto is an exception with the land transfer tax, but other municipalities don't have that at a municipal level. Um, but we still struggle, you know, in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and we struggle on how we move. Uh, and I think if we don't address that, you know, we're going to see places uh, and people make choices. You know, Hamilton, um, property values have gone up 70% in the last five years. Hamilton, a lot of people are talking about is being what Brooklyn is to New York. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, they say, if you follow where the Bohemians go, the creative class, some of the stuff Richard Florida talks about, um, who's a a, 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 a prominent urban thinker, and you follow where those people move, that's sort of the next thing, you know, where where the next hip place to be. And I'll tell you, a lot of those people are priced out of King West and and Queen West. Mm -hmm. Their studios are no longer there. And they're moving to places like Hamilton, and they're mm-hmm. probably liking the lifestyle as well. Yeah, because there's a lot of great restaurant tours that are moving out to Hamilton. There are some fantastic restaurants out there now. It's really in the arts crowd. You're right. Like, but is it going to take away from from Toronto? Do we have to worry sure. about that? You know, yeah. thir- thirty years ago, we had life insurance companies and banks because of the threat of, sep- uh, of Quebec separating come m- to Toronto. Come to Toronto from Montreal. Yeah, right? uh, and BMO is a great example of that. And there's other life insurance companies. Yeah. But do we have to think about that from an economic development perspective? Are we going to lose, you know, um, what what has kept us going for so long? And the financial services industry is a big part of Toronto, um, but so is tech, so is life sciences, so is uh, food uh, and manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, uh, to a lesser extent manufacturing. But are those companies going to move out because their people can't move, you know? Mm-hmm. And and think about moving even further west, whether that's to Calgary. Or elsewhere um, for a, for a better quality yeah. of life. It's, so when you say what are we what are we going to do about this? Like who is the we that can affect this sort of change? Um, is is it you know business groups coming together and figuring stuff out, or or is it really the um, the politicians that decide what kind of policies we support and programs we support? And, and the reason I bring this up is that. Um, in my opinion, uh, we have in place in Ontario a government that really is looking at line, line items and, and whether or not they feel they can erase them or not, rather than 
asking themselves the tough questions of if we erase this, what's the impact um, on people that live in this province? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, just cutting uh, everything from, uh, you know, the, the building uh, and support of uh, post-secondary education, um, uh, you know, cutting, uh, cutting in the health sector, um, you know, so they're, they're, it seems to me they're looking at line items and, and which ones they want to erase. Um, but then this also has an impact on the sort of um, culture that we have or, or the sort of support mechanisms that are in place that go to support the creative class. They go to support people that um, earn high incomes but enjoy the arts, that, that enjoy, you know, these sorts of things, the, the amenities and such. So... I'm curious, you know, how do we create a city, a province, um, and at the bigger scale, a country that attracts people um, because it's places to live, not necessarily I'm getting a tax benefit for being here. I, I think it's a balance. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, civil society groups, you know, folks like Civic Action mm -hmm. um, and even Chambers of Commerce um, that have to stand up and say, this is inherent to our, our quality of life. You know, the Board of Trade in Toronto uh, uh, in the last election put out that the number one issue facing businesses and is not taxes. It's mm -hmm. not, and, and traditionally, that's what you see, you know, right-wing yeah. uh, yeah. uh, chambers talk about is the number one issue facing business. And it wasn't taxes, it was the ability to move. Mm. And it was congestion and traffic and infrastructure. and. You know they piped up about this, and I think that's a big reason why you saw this as a as a key priority for for Mayor Tory, but also for other mayors across the region who recognize um, that ability to move is is a problem. So, you know, yes, government sets policy, but that policy is influenced by by people, um, by labor groups, by um, by um, business interest groups, by mm -hmm. special interest groups, and there's got to be an, an I think an alignment in terms of what what's uh, what's what's of value uh, to folks and you know I want to share some numbers with you when you talk about the provincial government um, you know the premier talks about what's sort of a between a 10 and 15 billion dollar deficit the auditor general uh, recently talked about a 10 billion dollar deficit and uh, the governing uh, uh, progressive conservatives talk about closer to a 15 billion dollar deficit um, the debt that we owe as a province is $347 billion. That works out to about 20000 uh for every man, woman, and child in, in this province. It's the largest subnational debt on the planet. And when you talk about subnational debt, um, it's on a, in our case, on a provincial scale. So we would be comparing Ontario's debt to, say, the state of California or uh, New York uh, or, um, um, you know, if you were to look at uh, Australia, you know, New South Wales, as an example. Um, the provincial government has also talked about trying to balance the budget um, and has talked about, you know, approximately $6 billion, uh, in efficiencies or cuts, as some call them, uh, that, that they would like to implement. And they were elected on a super majority. Um, and so how that's handled, how they find that balance, mm -hmm. you know, is, is something that I think... If they're looking for a balance. If they're looking for a balance. And yeah. I don't personally believe they're going to be able to get there 
um, by the time the uh, the snow thaws and, and we're in a spring budget. Yeah. I think it's going to take more than six months to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one can only look to, you know, the recent uh, um, uproar, I think is a fair, fair word, uh, around the, the uh, education cuts yeah. uh, and a line item uh, that was cut out of the budget. Um, and so where are we going to find these savings? And at the same time, there's been promises that have been made, you know, uh, on, on their election. They've talked about a 20% middle income tax cut. That's about $2.3 billion a year. They've talked about ending cap and trade. That's another $2 billion per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, reducing business taxes, another $1.3 billion. That the business has never asked for, right? You're saying that their taxes aren't a big issue. I, I it's don't, transport. Well, I, I think, I think, they, I think uh, you know, the Ford government would say that, that that was asked for, and that's why they promised that. Mm-hmm. But that's $1.3 billion a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, returning a Hydro One dividend, to Ontarians, another 400 million per year. Where are we going to find that money? How are we going to look for uh, a balance and and uh, and while still investing? Because traditionally, I think, and we've seen this across the world, um, when when the economies are are hurting, and we saw this with the Harper government, that investing in infrastructure amps up. It's a stimulus because there are people building things. Yeah, there are things being. Uh, being made, and it's it, and we've seen this over history. Um, that investment in infrastructure often is a stimulus to getting the economy going, to kickstarting, um, you know, things like like retail and housing, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think they'll have a choice to make around that because, judging by the markets over the last couple of days, even the last year, um, you know, the 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 equity markets aren't responding favorably. We're at a two-year low. Uh, in the United States and Canada, and we're going to have to think about how we want to invest and protect and invest for the future, not just look at how we can think about cutting right now and in, in, in the next quarterly cycle or the next election cycle. Yeah. But I think that thinking is always, you know, the number one goal of governments when they get in is to think about getting reelected. And so mm. whether it's it's municipal or provincial, that's what they're thinking about. And uh and I think I think the, th- the thought process of most people extends well beyond a political cycle of, of four years. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So what what we'll have is is we'll have kids not knowing about sex, drinking buck of beer, drinking bucks. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. By from one brewery. From one brewery, in Etobicoke. <laughs> in Etobicoke. In Etobicoke. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. It, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is so you talked about like Tory's plan for transit and you know think about Smart Track and that and and so you know. If, if, if the goal is to get reelected, so right now the provincial government is looking at, you know, what do they need to do that? And if it's cutting, then it's cutting, and hopefully they appease enough people. And, like, if we go back to transit, what of that is, and I'll call short term because I think smart track was a sh- shorter term. It's, it's an easier implementation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, to, to get into place versus the, the longer term. Like, how do you connect, you know, if the provincial government's looking at, you know, connecting Vaughan, Durham, um, you know, versus the long-term infrastructure investment for those, and do you know what I'm like? It's. I think it's a balance. I. I think. I. I think the the provincial government is looking at, um, you know, certainly their base, and how to build on that, mm-hmm. um, and, and opportunities in in other regions, um, and, 
you know, transit has always, always been a political hot potato. You know, we can look back to uh, David Miller's transit city plans yeah. and, and his thinking on connecting the city through integrated LRTs. Um, and uh, that was thrown out by his successor in, uh-huh. in, uh, in, in uh, Rob Ford. Uh, and uh, we had SmartTrack come about uh, by uh, John Tory. Some would say that that plan is, is, is very similar to Metrolinx's Regional Express Rail. It's a, it's, that's sort of a, a reincarnation of that. Um, so politicians will want to, again, they'll want to paint their own picture and make sure that it's known that it was, it was them that created the line or the thinking behind um, getting that transit project going. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very politically driven. And we don't see that in other parts of the world. Um, mm. You know, Transport for London, as an example, um, are the politicians involved? They are, but it's more at arm's length. The amount of political control in something like transit uh, in, in Toronto and other cities in the country, uh, is, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a function of, of how we do things, which is a very Canadian way for everyone to participate and give their two cents and, 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 and think, and, and then we build. Um, we, we have a, a spirit of doing that in this country, but it can, all, it can, it can often work to our detriment as, mm-hmm. as we look at that congestion that doesn't seem to be improving yeah. uh, because there's more talk and lots of talk. And, and, Too much talk. <laughs> yeah, and not, a, not enough uh, uh, building. You, so, I mean, speaking of talking, you, you, I mean, you speak with these guys, you see them often. Um, whether it's a city hall or Queens Park or wherever it is, um, and as, as much as you know, Greg and I believe that most of them are stupid. There, there there's a few smart people out there, I'm sure. Um, so they must know this. Um, they must know how, you know, how and why transit is amazing in other cities, um, world class cities, or, or other cities that are not world class. Um, what do they think about? taking the transit portfolio and vesting it into, into a, an arm's length body that will actually build rather than think and study and talk. Yeah, um, I, I think that, that whenever you remove um, control from elected folks, yeah, um, no matter what color party they are, yeah, uh, they get nervous about that. Huh. I think it, it removes control. It it allows somebody to make decisions for them, mm-hmm. and they can still cut the ribbons and, and do the groundbreakings and and be part of that because it's happening, you know, on their turf. But when the decisions are handled by somebody else, I think that that makes folks nervous. And you know, years ago, when Metrolinx was formed, 15 years ago, uh, by the previous provincial government, um, you know, you saw politicians on the board of Metrolinx. So you know, you had. Mm. the mayors and the regional chairs from across the GTA uh, that, that were part of that. And then they did exactly what you were suggesting. They depoliticized the Metrolinx board and they brought in the private sector, mm-hmm. bankers, lawyers, transit planners. God mm-hmm. forbid you have somebody <laughs> that works in transit that is on a board of a transit agency. Kind of yeah. makes sense. Um, and, um, uh, and uh, you know, things I, I would say didn't move any faster mm. um, or slower, depending on who's on the board. Yeah, I mean it. It requires a change of thinking. Mm. I'm not sure 
governments want to do that just yet in yeah. terms of relinquishing control and, and handing it off to other people. Um, there's there's a threat. There's a there's a what if that goes through the mind of a politician that says, if I give this up, what does it mean? Do my constituents think it's somebody else doing it? Is it a threat to my job? Is there a way to, you know, so once something is 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 okayed, and and as much as I uh, think that a, a a three billion one stop subway might not be a good use of resources, um, let's just for argument's sake assume that boom the decision's been made, we're starting to build. That should another mayor come in, should another premier come in, that. It doesn't matter. The deci- a decision's been made. You can't stop. You can't fill in that hole. And I think, I don't know who came in recently, the past decade or so, where holes started getting filled in because mm-hmm. they didn't want to move forward. Is there a way politically to make something like that happen? It's tough um, because, again, every everyone wants to come up with their own thinking and their own plan. And, um, yeah, we have seen transit projects uh, mm-hmm. pre- being shelved. Uh, the Eglinton Line is a great example of that, um, where that happened with, with a, a uh, former provincial government. Um, and we're seeing all kinds of changes, right? The downtown relief line was not a priority mm-hmm. of David Miller. It was not no. a priority of Rob Ford. It is no. a priority of John Tory. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so everyone wants to articulate their plan. And what folks don't realize, I think, is that as we saw with the the changes to municipal government in uh, Toronto uh, over the, uh, uh, the the past year, you know, the change of the size and composition of council is that the provincial government can do what it wants mm-hmm. to a certain extent with municipalities uh, because municipalities really are creatures of the province and municipal folks don't like hearing that. But at the end of the day, it's true. Yeah, They can cancel, enhance, change what they want mm-hmm. with municipalities at their own peril. Yeah. And, you know, it's often being said, do we have a governance system in place for cities that provides them with, you know, 18th century tools, but we're living in 21st century cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a fair argument to say that because the rules that govern cities are based on rules that are quite old. I mean, we, we, we still have... The property tax, again, is the number one and the only hmm. source of revenue for municipalities. Yeah. Do we need to look at new funding tools and, and, and streams? And if they're allowed to do that, um, can they control their own destiny? Hmm. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of resistance to that from the provincial government because if they allow municipalities to do that, they're wearing it. You know, you put in a retail sales tax, um, you know, we, we, we've seen that in other in other uh, cities. There's a junk food tax in some cities in the United States that municipalities will collect revenue from. Um, what does that mean? And who's wearing that? Mm. And so it's this game that, that they're constantly playing, um, jockeying for position and, and power. Mm. Related to that is, is and I, don't, I, I haven't read whether she now thinks it's a serious... Um, position to hold but jennifer keys met when she first ran or just before she ran um she floated the idea of toronto being a province um that would solve a lot of issues 
right? To, to Toronto being the uh, the engine, some would say, um, of the country, if not if, uh, of the province as well. Um, sort of calling stone shots, being able to have the tools to raise funds to be able to pay for everything from transit to housing. Um, your thoughts on that? Is, is that just, you yeah. know, fly by? Yeah. You know, I, I, I talked to Jennifer about this um, when she was running and, and uh, uh, you know, she, she talked about secession and meant it really more as a joke. I mean, there was some truth in that, but realistically, it, yeah. it wasn't going to happen. But it's the old adage, right? Everyone in Canada hates Ontario. Everyone in Ontario hates Toronto. Yeah. Um, or the GTA. Yeah. And everyone in the GTA hates the city of Toronto. And everyone in the city of Toronto hates Bay Street. And everyone on Bay Street hates the lawyers. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that before. But, it, but you know, to do that and to create a city-state, um, it, it, it would, I, I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, it's more fantasy than anything. I think it's frustration mm. when you hear politicians say that. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because when you see events like 9-11 or the financial collapse uh, in New York, um, you see the country rally behind New York. Mm. You know, we've got to get New York back on its feet. We've got to see it succeed. Um, I don't think we see the same here. Uh, when when you know Toronto catches a cold, and we've seen it, we saw it through, you know, issues like SARS um, that hit our city a number of years ago, um, and um, um, and more recently, you know, there's been other issues that have come up, but you don't see the country rally behind Toronto mm. to the extent that the United States rallies around New York, and it's an interesting comparison because uh, New York is actually a smaller percentage of the national economy in the United States. Than Toronto, than Toronto is. is. Toronto is a larger percentage of the national economy. So one would think it makes sense to to try to bring the country. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, bring the city up, um, because when Toronto succeeds, the rest of the country does. I don't think we see that, and I mm. think it would it would uh, it would make it tough to say we want to be our own our own city state. Um, I, I can't see it happening, but it 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 raises the question: um, Should we not? Be thinking a little bit differently in terms of how we're structured. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know you like John Tory. Um, your your thoughts on on one whether he will uh, keep his promise to his wife and not run again. <laughs> um, but you know, what sort of job he'll do over the next three ish years? You know, it's funny. Um, uh, Barb Hackett, who's, who's his wife, has said. You know, I, John can only do two terms, and that's it. And it's interesting because the, the, I spent a lot of time with the mayor uh, the day after the election. Yeah. And we were kind of on the same circuit, um, um, kind of trailing each other between uh, um, uh, studios as we were doing a, a political punditry. And he was obviously in a great mood, as he should be, because he won every ward in this city. That hasn't happened in 18 years. Were you shocked by that? Um, I thought I thought Kismet would come out a little bit stronger, but yeah. you know, five weeks of a campaign um, didn't do her any favors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he won overwhelmingly, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and we joked about that that very comment, um, uh, you know, that uh, that could this be it? Is this his last term? And you know, one of the things he said the day after the election was, you know, um, and he's talked about it publicly that it may not be, you know, and and things that he's focused on are around affordable housing and transit, as we've talked about. Um, 
crime and safety and mental health are, are other issues that, that are, are a focus to him. But I think if anyone tries to unravel the work that's about to begin in his second mandate for transit and for affordable housing, we may see this guy come back. Uh-huh. And I think he, he could run again. Um, and and But we'll see. I mean, we've we, there's a lot of time. Um, I mean, we're talking literally four years from now and a lot could change. Um, yeah. But uh, but I think his heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he certainly leads with uh, with conviction for for Toronto. Hmm. Let's move to Ontario. Um, we seem to have very short memories, mm-hmm. if not in this province, just as, as humans, um, that we we make the mistake of uh, voting in Rob Ford as mayor and, and watching the the circus that surrounded him uh, and then just literally a few years later think, hey, let's get his older brother uh, to run the province. Um, was it was it literally just freaking luck that he decided to run when Wynn decided to retire and Brown uh, decided to do whatever he was doing? Well, Wynn actually hasn't decided to retire. She Sorry, still... not retire. Did I say Wynn decided to? Wynn, Wynn was the electorate decided to retire her <laughs> from running the province. She still is. Sorry. A, she still is an MPP. She still is. That's and, right. You know, part Thanks of for uh, me. <laughs> she's still part of the the Liberal Party yeah, and, yeah. and uh, still has a role um, to play. And as she says, she's not going anywhere. Yeah. But let's get let's get to what you asked about because, yeah. um, you know, we saw. A guy that many thought would be the next premier of Ontario in Patrick Brown, um, basically, the walls come down mm-hmm. on him, and whether you want to call it a political coup or an inside job, or you know uh, his his own of his own doing, and there's a lot of theories out there mm-hmm. about what happened. Um, he's off the the provincial seat literally overnight, and then he came back in, mm-hmm. and then he left. He left and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he, now he's governing the, the, the ninth largest city in our country as the mayor of Brampton. But I think, I think you know, Doug Ford looked at this because, you know, we could rewind back a year ago, even nine months ago. And this man was planning to run to be the mayor of the city of Toronto. Um, I think it was well known. The, yeah. The, 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 the polling was being done. He was, mm-hmm. he was getting ready to run. And, um, you know, there was an opportunity. And there were a lot of people that entered that race before him with significant pedigree. Yeah. You know, Christine Elliott has run a number of times, uh, four times. Her husband, uh, Jim Flaherty, ran a couple of times for the leader of the party. Um, Caroline Mulrooney, you know, a, a sort of a newbie to politics, but a strong name behind her. Uh, and then uh, Doug Ford jumps in. Mm-hmm. And uh, many thought that this wouldn't happen. You know, many... Many thought that he wouldn't be able to galvanize. Oh, he doesn't speak French and he's too Toronto, um, which which actually I think is a really good point, um, because oftentimes if a politician is from this city, the rest of the province is just like hey, they don't like him. Uh-huh. That's 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 the Toronto candidate. Yeah, and um, he certainly didn't make, you know, any. And when he won the leadership, he didn't shy away from the fact that he was from Toronto. Yeah, um, but I think. What happened with Patrick Brown obviously presented an opportunity for him. And I think it speaks to the rise of populism. Um, mm. And we've seen that across the world. Um, we've, 
we're seeing it in Ontario as well. Now, whether you agree or disagree with his thinking, um, that populist thinking has come into play. There are a lot of people that voted for him from all corners of the province, yeah. from areas that went NDP and even liberal to conservative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mississauga is a great example of that with six conservative MPPs that were formerly liberal mm -hmm. MPPs. And it happened just like that. This wave came in. And I think the wave came in because... Was that more as a result of there's too much wind for too long, too much liberal for too long, rather than we like Ford? Like, was it a... Did he win because of him or did yeah. he win because of factors around him? I, I think it's a mix of both, right? I think mm. what you see is um, governments, they say, are often voted out, not voted in. Yeah. Uh -huh. And this certainly was a government that was voted out. You know, we had Kathleen Wynne um, basically concede a few mm. days before the sure. election. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you guys don't like me, yeah. but I'm not sorry about investing yeah. in x y and z sure but it was 15 years right yeah. and and i think um that's the nature of 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 the thinking because we uh, of canadians but also ontarians in this case because most of us don't hold political affiliation most people that aren't paying attention or in the bubble as we call it mm -hmm. they will go with the flow they will mm. say which way are people voting and they will go that way and that's exactly what happened and, and yes, I think part of it was his populist appeal as well. I mean, there there still was no platform um, that he ran on. You know, there was no playbook. No. Yeah. Uh, there are ideas that have been talked about. I talked about some of them earlier, but has that been captured in a in, a, in the framework of a policy document? You know, sort of a, a traditional way of of thinking in politics. You provide to the electorate the thinking, the promises, yeah, and then you're held to account. Yeah, and what was incredible was within a span of pretty much nine months, he went from being unelected mm -hmm. to governing the second largest government in this country. Yeah, um, he was he was a city councilor, mm -hmm. but he was not a city councilor for four years. Yeah, he was out of politics. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, although I'm sure the premier would like to say that he was still in it and engaged, but he, you know, he he really came from from nowhere, and it but he. He galvanized people. He he, his style of, of, of populism and his thinking, of bringing people, behind him, mm -hmm. seemed to have worked. Uh, and again, whether you agree or disagree with what he's doing, um, you know he's 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 here, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know we're not going to have a leader, I believe, for the Liberal Party until the spring of 2020. Because we've got a federal that long, yeah, we've got a federal election in uh, October of next year, yeah. 2019, and I think it'll be the spring of 2020. Um, but it's interesting because the Liberals are still polling respectfully well. They're in they're Ontario, in Ontario, with with the absence of a permanent leader. Mm -hmm. And John Fraser is a great guy, but he's an interim leader. Yeah, and and he he would concede that. Um, and you know, there'd be some that say the NDP are just not ready to govern yet. They just they wow. they've been in opposition, but mm -hmm. they don't have the bench strength. They they are not doing what the opposition does, which is hold the government to account. Which raises the question, um, and I think it does for any government that's in office: Can this guy get reelected? In the absence of an opposition, mm. you know, will the liberals bring in 
somebody a star new uh-huh. from, yeah maybe somebody from the outside maybe somebody yeah the same way the conservatives what are you did. hearing what am i hearing i'm yeah. hearing it's way too early okay <laughs> 20 you know you've got half a dozen liberal M- mpps yeah, yeah and you know there's a couple that that would like the job mm-hmm. um you know, Mitzi Hunter from Scarborough, mm. uh, Michael Couteau from, from North York, uh, great individuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, will they be labeled as uh, uh, having baggage and being associated with the previous government? You know, when you look at the political insiders that ran for the conservative leadership race um, in Ontario, they were political heavyweights. They were the essence of being an insider. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all in its cabinet right now but they are not the premier of this province and so it begs the question is that is that what we're going to see will there be a leadership review for andrea horvath um as the leader of the official opposition if you believe the polls she's in third place right now so there's a there's a lot of things that can happen um anyone that that sits across from you and tells you they know what's going to happen they don't not yet looking looking at the long game though for the pc party and this is the way I felt at the time. Wouldn't it have made more sense to have had Elliot or Mulroney? Like I just like I think I think we'd all be having a very different conversation today if they were the leader and not Doug Ford. And it, and, yeah. and, and, and to yeah. your point about Rob Ford, sorry, just one thing. To your the point about Rob Ford is I think I think we give too much when you talk about bubble, I think we give ourselves too much credit here in Toronto. I I don't think the Rob Ford hangover was as big. When I when I talked to my friends in the 905 and the 705 and 613, that really had no bearing. Very little bearing. We lived it. It's we the, hated it. It. it should have had a bearing. But it didn't. There were books well, written. Didn't, he was but it on had the less, talk circuit in the US. Yeah, but it had yeah. less of a bearing than 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 we think it should have had. I think you're absolutely right. I think the bearing that it had would probably be, be as impactful as Jim Flaherty and Christine Elliott. Like, she's her own person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and we've seen political families um, in, in this business, um, whether it's the Trudeaus or the Holidays in Etobicoke or the Fords in Etobicoke uh, or, or the Coles, uh, Josh Cole and Mike Cole in, in, uh, in uh, central Toronto. And you're your own person. You know, I, I'm not sure, and I agree with you, I'm not sure most people looked at Doug Ford and said, that's Rob Ford. They said... I don't know. I disagree. I mean, even with, during, he way before the election, it was, I ran this. It was like, he, he was touting his experience of running a city. And we all know that, yes, that, that that is a yes and a no. No, you were just a counselor. But yes, because it was basically you and your brother in the freaking same office deciding what to do and what not to do. Uh, in my opinion, I might I might be wrong on that, but but I but I I, I think that's true, um, you know, and and so, and and he's he's always jumped on his brother's his late brother's bandwagon, um, you know, he so and so would be proud, Rob would be proud, we're doing this for Rob and Rob this and Rob that, um, and, um, you know, outside of literally spending uh, a decade plus knocking on doors, he's he's. It's it's the same talk. It sounds it's the same, you know. But you, but the nine oh five on Facebook, even when we had Rob Ford, thought we were, yeah, oh, we're blowing it. That we were in our bubble. We were these princesses in in Toronto. No. And I don't think so. I, I think I think that's just 
I think that's just. I tough. grew up in 905. I, I got know you hundreds did. of friends out yeah, in yeah. the Schwa and Whitby. And you've also unfriended mm. hundreds of them as well. <laughs> I will. I've some of them have yeah. for sure. For sure. No, but but like like they would throw it back at me like we were like we were overblowing it. Well, then they should have known better. Idiots watching Toronto TV because there's no Oshawa TV. Anyways, getting angry. He's here. He's sticking up for the 905ers. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Wait, him. Wait, how deep rolls have just... Wow. <laughs> we're entering the twilight zone here. It's amazing. I, you know what? I, I say this a lot to people, but I think we're probably one of the only cities in the world that differentiates, differentiates itself by three digits. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, you would never go to New York... Or to London, or to, or to LA, or to Rio, and and the list will go on and on, and because you live north of Steeles Avenue, <laughs> or you live you know east of the east Toronto of the Zoo, Rouge. Yeah. Or the Rouge, yeah. you know you're you're somehow different from the rest of us. Yeah. Um, That's what I think. They they're they're lying when they say that that it had no bearing. They just whatever. Anyways, <laughs> um, but they they but I think they think the same way towards us. Like you were saying, like as you got, I didn't get down to the Bay Street. I thought that was very granular, which is awesome. But I mean, the 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 the, the Golden Horseshoe. Then, if you want to say nine oh five, you know, have have this attitude towards Toronto. Like, yeah. So, there. So, what kind of province are we going to live in in twenty nineteen? Um, I think we're going to see continued change. I mean, if I was um, looking at the future and sort of predicting where where we're going. I think we're going to see a few things come up um, in in 2019. Um, we saw a week ago the rules around cannabis uh, mm-hmm. uh, changing, uh, retail environment for cannabis. We went instantly from a system of 25, um, uh, uh, sorry, unlimited retailers for cannabis Down to now 25. To yeah. Now 25. Yeah. Um, and the city's not keeping a bunch of money anymore, is it? Well, they're still going to get some uh, yeah. revenue sharing, but it won't be as much. Obviously, if there were more stores, there'd be more revenue. Yeah. And part of this is is the supply issue, which I think the industry is going to figure out. It's a new industry. Yeah. Um, the licensed producers are making this stuff, and 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 uh, it's very new for a lot yeah. of people. And I think they'll sort that stuff out. But I think we will see um, a move from the system of 25 as the months go on, and the supply issues sort themselves out. I think we'll move to um, uh, a more open system that that the uh, the provincial government talked about. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see that in uh, in 2019. Um, I also think we're going to see um, more government reform municipally. You know, we saw the threat of of invoking the notwithstanding clause in Toronto. That of course didn't happen, um, but we saw a system of what was scheduled to be 47 councillors up from 44 down to 25. Uh, in Toronto, um, and I think we're going to see a little bit of that in uh, in the rest of the province. Do you really think we are? Yes. You don't think this is just a big fu to Toronto? I believe I think it started that way. I believe uh, if, really, it, it did start that way for sure. Yeah, it started I, that way. If I was a betting man, I would say that in uh, in uh, the early new year, we're going to see some discussion around municipal reforms, huh. um, and I think I think we're I think by the fall of the year we'll see that in place and they'll do consults and you know public consultation all that stuff like they did with toronto but we'll see that i think we'll see that in places like peel it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if yeah if uh 
if uh, you know uh, if the premier sticks it to his former predecessor in Patrick oh, Brown <laughs> and says Brampton. you now are going to run against Bonnie Crombie for your job in the city of Peel. 1.3 million people. Oh, they might make it. Oh, really? We may see that in Kitchener-Waterloo. We may see that in uh, parts of eastern Ontario as well. Um, I think there's going to be that. Now, on a, on a line item savings, what does that work out to in terms of, some would say it costs more. There are others that say that it's you're, a wash. You're, 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 yeah, that's a wash or you're saving money. But I think we will see further municipal government reform in, in 2019. Um, I also think we're going to see changes in 2019 to the green belt. Um, this is that mm. sort of green area that surrounds uh, the city of Toronto. Uh, what and kind it, of changes, figure? I think we're going to see um, a more relaxing of rules and opening up of um, some of those lands to developers. And I think the premier is going to stand up and say, we need affordable housing and we need to continue to build that. And the only way to do that in his mind, is to open up and unlock lands. To get the lands. bums from Bay Street <laughs> and bust them out to the Greenbelt for affordable housing. Yeah. And we can all pay more for our tomatoes and yeah. peppers. And, 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 and I know you're on, you know, you're, you're on the cannabis side. Of, um, um, lo uh, not lobbyists, sorry. How would you put it? That is, that is true. Okay, I know, yeah. I know, but you used another term that was... Like, anyway, I mean, between... Um, Excuse me, sir. Between putting housing in the green belt and the amount of agriculture that's moving towards the cannabis industry, we are going to see, I think, mm -hmm. an increase in the cost of our groceries. Yeah, and in it, terms of our, our vegetables, it, it's already happening. I mean, yeah. we, we, we're seeing prices that, that are up, and uh, uh, and and so what does this do to food security and prices? What does it do to transit? What we talked about at the beginning. I mean, how how does it make it easier mm -hmm. or harder? to get people from new communities that don't exist right now to work, you know, and, and, and to visit their friends and family. Yeah, yeah. And are uh -huh. we, are we moving to, um, you know, more, more density? Yeah. Um, there's no more green uh, space to build in places like Mississauga. There's very little left in, in many. Mm -hmm. um, they're now demolishing single story homes and, and, uh, and, uh, and other single-story um, uh, uh, residential and business uh, buildings, and they're building up. So how does density change the way we think and we live? Mm -hmm. As we, we are a city um, and a region that, you know, should be should be thinking as a big city yeah. um, in terms of how we move and, and get around. We should be thinking like a big city, but we have small minds running things uh let's move over to <laughs> let's move over to canada because i know where we're running we're running close to uh close to our time um there are a lot of people um that are going to be learning more about a bunch of these guys um 2019 um we we have an election uh coming up um you know before the the last election uh the thinking uh in conservative circles was that uh, Trudeau was just not ready. Um, now those same people would say, well, he's had, his, he's, he's had enough time. Um, but I want to ask you this, you know, where is Jagmeet Singh? Who is Andrew Scheer? And what's going on with Elizabeth May? And what about Maxim, Maxime Bernier? Maxime Bernier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Will, will, he, will, will we hear a peep from him? 
we will hear two piece from him. We'll yeah. hear pee pee from him because he's he's now the leader of the pee pee party. Of <laughs> the pee pee party. The people's party of Canada. <laughs> I call it the pee pee party. Um, so I think we will be hearing a lot from Maxime Bernier. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think hey, he'll listen, be given a chance to be in these leadership debates. I, I think he will be, and I and I think um, hmm. it, it's fascinating because um, anyone that decides to create a political party, um, I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean the the thinking that goes into that, no matter what you believe in or or not and i remind back to um you know the days of the conservative reform split Mm -hmm. uh and how harper brought that all together Mm -hmm. and you know maxime bernier lost uh to andrew Scheer by a very small margin a very small margin yeah and is this the the is he doing this to ultimately unite the party i would think right now he's going to say no yeah. but ultimately if he gains some support uh and he picks up a few seats um they could very well merge those two parties together prompting a leadership review yeah uh and perhaps putting him in the job that he wanted originally hmm. which was uh, you know leader of the of the conservative party like i th- i think that that's quite plausible um perhaps not all in 2019 yeah but i um, think i think that's that's sort of his thinking that's his way of getting around that's the long-term game yeah of of uh, of, of uh, perhaps running running uh running the country he may not do it in this election uh federally in october 2019 but i think he's playing the long game uh, in this um so you asked about bernier you asked about jagmeet singh mm-hmm. jagmeet singh um you know we got a by-election coming out uh in in bc and I think it actually would be to Justin Trudeau's advantage to see him win, because if hmm. he loses, yeah, um, who's governing the party? And already he's seen a little bit of a decline in support. Yeah, you've got about eight um, uh, NDP MPPs that are not running again federally. So, who are they going to get behind if he doesn't win? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, if you believe the polls right now, um, he's trailing in in uh, in uh, out in BC. Really? Um, you know, does he come back to Brampton? Um, at you the know, end of the year. At the end, and you know, run for that city of Peel that is going to be formed. I believe. Hmm. Uh, you know, he he he'll have a good chance, I think, of winning. But there's a lot of people that are questioning. He seemed to have been like a not miss. Like this, this is the next rising progressive star in yeah. Canadian politics to now you know people saying yeah this time has come and gone it's yeah well spoken well dressed uh, yeah. artic- articulate very uh, personable uh, very personable yeah a star on social media mm-hmm. um, you know loves his Instagram that's for sure yeah uh, but but what what has he done and has he built built the party um, fundraising is actually down uh, mm. for the party under his leadership um, and so, what does this mean? If he if he's if he's in, I think it becomes easier for the Liberals to come back. If he's out, it becomes a one-two race between Sheer and Trudeau. Um, and um, you know, as time goes by, um, you know, if 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 we don't get a sense of where the government's going of any government, it creates an opportunity for the opposition to step in and, and define mm-hmm. themselves. So, um, lots of time to play. We're still. You know, nine months away. Yeah. But um, there could be some changes. And Elizabeth May, God bless her. Um, you know, from from what I I see and from what my sources are saying, um, she'll probably hold on to her seat. Yeah. I'm not sure she can build on that 
I think she's done a great job, um, you know, uh, having her seat. But how she builds on that, I'm not so sure. We got a green, uh, a, a, a green party uh, representative provincially in Ontario. Yeah, yeah, Mike Schreiner, which is which is fantastic. I think it's great, great for democracy. But how they can build on that, yeah. apart from the one seat, they're very vulnerable, and you will see star candidates uh, coming in those ridings um, to try to. Um, you know, push aside the uh, the incumbent leader and probably be rewarded if they win. Sure. Like if you can upset a party leader, yeah. Um, good fortunes are, are in your future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think she'll I think she'll be back. Um, we've we've had a very interesting year. We've we have a a new NAFTA um, legalization of weed. Um, we've had this debate about pipelines and carbon tax and climate change. What kind of year has it been for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, you feel? I think it started off as a, as a good year mm-hmm. um, for him. I think, um, you know, he, he, he walked into 2018, um, you know, with his continued strong mandate. And we've seen a lot of unexpected things come up. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, the relationship with the largest, I would say, the most powerful country in the world now today and that's china Mm. Uh, and i would say that's above the united states yeah and and, um you know we're seeing all kinds of changes um that could affect us and our economy and and uh uh, because of that relationship with china um and i i would look for you know those emerging geopolitical issues to hit his radar uh, next year and he's gonna have to be very careful in how he he manages that we can't be a lapdog for the United States to go after somebody um, without thinking about what the consequences will be, as the Chinese yes. government has said, will be dire uh, against us. But mm-hmm. I think it's been good. I, I, I think he's looking at um, next year um, probably not as optimistic as he was coming into this year, mm. knowing that, again, if you believe the polls, um, Andrew Scheer could form a government. Um, there is there there is a very competitive race it seems right now between the two of them. What happens in October? Who knows? Um, could we be headed for a minority government? Hmm. Has anyone earned a majority? And I think if you ask most people today, at the end of the year, given given the issues that we've seen, given the you know folks in Alberta would say we haven't seen the support for the oil sands. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen. We've seen, you know, equalization payments being put into the province of Quebec. But what about Alberta? Yeah. Um, and what about BC? And and grappling with what I think is going to be a huge challenge for him, and that is the rise of populism, the rise of conservative premiers. Because last year, many of them in the largest provinces were all liberal, yeah. and they and they were and they were close as they should be. They're in the same party. But now you've got conservative premiers right whether that is um alberta where i think we'll see a change in government next year Mm -hmm. turning to conservative saskatchewan of course ontario new brunswick and how does he make that work you know we saw um conservative premiers dominate the first minister's meeting in quebec a couple weeks ago and premier Ford dominated the agenda like it or not he was holding control uh, of the cards and it's interesting because we never saw Stephen Harper in his mandate uh, as prime minister ever meet with 
the premiers. And yeah. some would say the reason he didn't do that is because he didn't want to be set up yeah. by so. premiers that were, were, were not um, aligned with his thinking. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened a couple of weeks ago. So he's going to have to play nice. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of spending promises, um, uh, including the $1.6 billion that was announced uh, uh, yesterday uh, uh, by the federal government for the oil sands yeah. in Alberta. There's going to be a lot of, by the way, that money can be accessed by anybody in the country. Now, the majority of the oil, oil uh, and gas industry is in Alberta. Yeah. So they're probably going to naturally utilize most of it. Um, but you're going to see a lot of promises like that. Mm-hmm. You know, what about the East Coast? And, you know, we've seen call centers close. We've seen the, the uh, fisheries industry change mm-hmm. significantly. And so he's got to think about that as well. Um, but I think the road to a majority government that he covets will go through Ontario and he will have mm. a very challenging time I think dealing with uh, uh, with a premier where we've seen over the last six months policy really being on the fly I mean th- th- there's I don't think there's anybody in the Ford government right now that could could legitimately say tell you that we ran on reducing the size of Toronto City Council. No. We, they ran on reducing the size of government, but I think most MPPs would say, yeah, we, we, we thought it was our government, <laughs> not the city government, not the yeah. municipal governments. Yeah. But more of that will be coming in 2019 in cities across Ontario. And so how, they, how do they deal with that? Yeah. We've already seen a floor uh, crosser provincially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's got a supermajority. And I guess... One could argue he could afford to lose a few seats, but yeah. it never looks good this early on. And so does Trudeau capitalize on that um, if if there is any sense of weakness in Ontario and step in? Mm-hmm. Does he bypass the province in some of the funding agreements and to say, support the, it, to support yeah. uh, the municipalities, say, you know what, we don't need to deal with the province, we're going straight to the municipalities. I think that's something that could happen as well. Um, and uh, I think there'll be a lot of focus on Ontario. Um, I would bet transit public safety mental health mm-hmm. uh, funding promises we're going to see um uh, you know uh, uh lathered up big time in ontario yeah. and how many of those come to play if it's a minority government federally what does that actually mean because in the in the instance that we have a minority government which i i think is healthy for democracy um for a variety of reasons um what does that mean does that mean these promises are all awash now. Are we doing deals between three or four parties? Hmm. Um, it keeps people on their toes. And it, it allows deal making to happen um, between people, which I, I, I think most Canadians want. They want to see a system of checks and balances so that one party or person or a group of people doesn't have the keys. It, it, it allows it allows deal making to happen. Now, there's a lot there, and, and I said earlier, anyone that predicts what can happen in October doesn't know what they're talking about. But there's a variety of options um, that that could unravel that we could see um, federally, um, and uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting year. Um, internationally, Canada's relationship with the rest of the world, Trudeau's relationship with provinces, uh, and uh, and and uh, and uh, municipalities as well, and how he he works with them. So. No shortage of permutations and combinations. Um, and uh, I, I had heard this last night, by the way. Um, when this $1.6 billion deal was being announced to support Alberta, that it was actually being worked on 
as we found out about it, like the details. Huh. And, and if, if we're waiting till the 11th hour to form policy, whether that's Doug Ford in Ontario, Justin Trudeau, you know, in Ottawa, um, or, you know, John Tory in Toronto, there is a variety of things that are going to change and that are going to allow, I think, for people to get engaged and say, but wait a minute, here's how I feel, which mm-hmm. I think is healthy. Yeah. So the two things that suffer as a result of all of this, because, um, well, I don't know why because, but just as a result of the political changes. Number one, um, I think that uh, First Nations issues gets put on the back burner again uh, because um, the majority of Canadians are not, aff- are not affected by no drinking water, not affected by suicide. We're not affected by the health crisis. Unfor- and it's not that unfortunately we're not affected by it, but uh, you know things like jobs and oil and... Uh, you know, these are things that I think more Canadians care about and will vote on rather than um, are my First Nations brothers and sisters going to have clean water to drink. So I think that's never, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, num- and number two, uh, I think uh, the environment gets put on the back burner again because it's, it's not an issue that anyone is, anyone outside of Trudeau, uh, sorry, anyone outside of the Liberals has as a platform. Uh, I think yeah. even the uh, uh, the NDP won't win any seats by you know putting the in, uh, environment on their back. The, the 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 issue with First Nations and a lot of people forget this: the largest population of First Nations people is actually mm. in Toronto, mm. and we don't see it. And you know we're a very cosmopolitan city, um, but we have a huge population of first nations people that i think gets ignored oh yeah in this city i think definitely gets ignored yeah yeah. right from from the things that they face the underemployment yeah um the the visibility yeah yeah. um they just they just the 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 housing issues Mm -hmm. that affect people in toronto but affect them a a bit more acutely and i think you're right that'll happen um and on the issues of the environment um we can't think of 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 a country I, i i don't think they're separate. Um, a functioning and productive economy and a functioning and productive environment, I think they're integrated. I'm not sure most people would, would agree with that, but um, it, it may be an issue that does get put to the back burner, right? Like, you can't think of a productive oil and gas industry in the province of Alberta and what we're doing to the oil sands without thinking about what this means for the environment, without thinking about what this means for First Nations people mm-hmm. that that have a a significant population in many of the places that are, are getting uh, um, uh, developed, uh, you know, with respect to our natural resources. So it's all integrated, but people's attention spans are pretty tight, pretty small, and for that reason, I think you're right. I mean, I think those two issues, as as much as they merit concern will not be yeah. the top issues affecting most Canadians next next year. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Aleem, listen, man, thanks for coming in. This really appreciate fun. it. Um, Greg, thank you again for co-hosting. Um, it's been a great year. Um, to both of you, have a wonderful holiday. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, this will be our last taped episode of uh, 2018 and uh, 2019. Predictions for 2019 for this podcast. We're going to be doing 
number 200 around this time next year. And um, we'll have, what was the name of your rock band again, Greg? Mine. Back in the day, yeah. yeah. The Life. The Life. We're going to have The Life as uh, our opening act. Sure. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> acoustic set here in the studio. There you go. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Very cool. Thanks, Jason.